Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms, maybe one of our, our, as a church family, one of our favorite psalms. Seems like this is a good psalm to turn to on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Here we go, you ready? If you, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, some on the sides of the tech booth back there, please feel free to go get one of those. Uh, you can borrow it or keep it as you need. If you're a user of the Bible app, please feel free to uh, open that up, track along with us. You can find our live event where we have sermon notes and the scriptures, all that kind of stuff. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I just want to pause there for a minute. Um, and think about this. Uh, you may be um, coming into uh, uh, Thanksgiving and you may be like, yes, I have a lot to be grateful for. You may be sitting here right now going, please don't guilt me into gratitude. That's not what I'm going to do this morning. Not at all. Um, C.S. Lewis was an author uh, and a professor in the 20th century. Did a lot of writing. Uh, if you know him uh, at all, you probably know him from the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, but in one of his uh, reflections on the Psalms. He wrote for me, which was a really profound insight. He said this, that um, I'm paraphrasing here, but something like this, that gratitude is what allows our joy to be complete. Gratitude is what allows our joy to be complete. Um, You you think about getting, this is just a simple, very silly example, getting a gift anonymously and then getting a gift from someone you know. The anonymous person, you may enjoy the gift, right? But you can't say thanks. You get the gift from somebody you know, you can look at him and say, thank you so much. And there's something about the completion of that joy as gratitude gets poured out. And so today, I want to just have a few minutes where we think about these benefits that God has done for us, three in particular, and um, no guilt, I promise. It's just an invitation Um, to complete your joy. Let's start verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. So bless, uh, the root of that is the word to kneel. And so there's this sense in which we are bowing before or giving praise to God, there's, there's, a, there's a claim of inherent value in the person. When we bless the Lord, what we're saying is, God, you're, you're worth something to me. You're worth something to me. And I love the fact that he says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. How much is within you? How much? Oh, okay. That's right. All. Why all? Here's why. Because we're talking about the Lord here. Do you see in verse one, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the Hebrew um, name for God, either Yahweh or Jehovah, depending upon how you grew up. But the whole idea is he's the great I am. He is the God who is completely sufficient from beginning to end and yet still chose to create um, you and me and put this world into motion and then um, deal with us in all of our craziness and all the stupidity and all the recklessness that we have. And then not only that, but also step into our world, save us, redeem us, bring us to himself so that we could live with him forever. When we're talking about bless the Lord, bless the Lord, that's the Lord we're talking about. So a partial response of partial praise 
from a part of me is not sufficient for the God that we're talking about. It is not adequate to the God that we are describing. Therefore, bless the Lord, O my soul, let how much? All, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I need all of me to get engaged. Again, one more time, there's this kind of partial blessing from a part of me. That's not adequate. It's just not. There's no guilt in that. What we're trying to do this morning is just to stir us up a little bit. I've used this word picture before, but if you get that thing that is known as unsweet tea, which is only sort of tea, you know what I mean? And you, you get, you don't go for the pink or the blue or the yellow. No, 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 no. Give me white or give me death, right? I mean, just rip that sugar thing off, drop that in there, stir it up just as fast as you can, and you drink it just as quickly as you can. You take a sip as quick as you can. Why? Because what happens? That's right. In the human heart, things, I mean, in, sweet, in, un, in unsweet, things really settle. And what, what do you have to do? Stir it up again. Stir it up again. Stir it up again. And in, in tea, and in the human heart, sometimes we just need to... So this is invitation. It's a stirring is what this is. All of us giving all of praise, uh, all of our praise to the God who's worthy of that. So here he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is with him, all of it. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And he starts with this, who forgives all your iniquities. Um, Why is this important to not forget that you and I are forgiven? Because sin has a way of kind of clouding things. Sin has a way of bringing darkness where there was once light. Sin has a way of, 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 of kind of putting a veil where it used to, you could see clearly of, if you will, putting fog on the path. Sin has a way of, of blinding us. And so when we remember, hey, forgiveness, when we remember one of the benefits of God is forgiveness, then we, we're able to put some of that, uh, that, some of that stuff aside. So I want to just walk through that little phrase, who forgives all your iniquity. Let's start with iniquity or sin. Sin is what happens when you and I choose less than God's best. This is what God actually forgives, is he forgives sin. We need to remember that it's sin. And so what is sin? Sin is when I choose less than God's best. Choosing, it is a choice for me. Like I'm not forced into this. It's not something that I can uh, 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 pass on. We'll talk more about that in just a second. It is a choice. It is a choice that I make. And therefore, I'm culpable for it. I am, I'm guilty under that. And any time that I choose sin, I am choosing less than God's best. I'm choosing less than something that God intends for me. Less than uh, um, uh, something that he desires for me. And make no, make no mistake about it. God's not up there as a tyrant trying to uh, you know, kind of wreck your world and mess it up. The things that he gives for us to live in, the things that he gives for, uh, to, for us to walk in, um, those are the paths of freedom. Uh, those are the good places. Those are the things that we need to do. Sin is when we choose less than God's best. Um, some people think uh, that, especially in our world today, that freedom comes from being able to do what you want. The biblical picture of freedom is very different than that. 
The biblical picture of freedom is not getting to do what you want. The biblical picture of freedom is essentially being able to stay in the lane, right? And so I have a 15-year-old in my house, and he says to me, Dad, can I drive? Dad, can I drive? Dad, can I? Yes, son, you can drive. So we get in, and I say, okay, here's what the plan is. There's a line over here. There's a line over here. Keep it in between the lines. So that's, that's the plan, right? That's how we roll. And, and so he could say, I know, but freedom feels like I should be able to do what I want. I mean, I could pull over here and into somebody's yard. I could pull over here, go off a cliff. I mean, like freedom or pull on this way or into that thing or, or whatever and cause a wreck in somebody else's life. Freedom should be to do what I want, but freedom happens when you're driving when? When you keep it between the lines. Same way in our lives. Some people think I can choose this or I can choose that or I want to do this. And that, that feels like freedom to me. No, no, no. And I've actually used this language, not this week, this past week to somebody. Listen, if you continue to walk in this, you will make a wreck of your life. Indeed. Freedom comes when we live according to the things that he has said is best. Keep it between the lines. Sin is when we choose to do less than that. We choose less than God's best. And he describes it as your iniquity, or we we might collectively call it our iniquity. In other words, it's my fault and I own it. It's my fault and I own it. Um, Many people try to deal with sin in, in... basically three ways. Number one, they deny that it's sin, or excuse me, they they deny uh, that they did it. Oh, I did do that. Uh, Your hand is quite literally in the cookie jar, kid. Are you sure? Or your hand is quite literally in the cookie jar, Senator, or your hand is quite... We've seen it this week. Hey, church, listen to me. This is not political. This is the deal. It feels to me like God's doing some purging here. And it may hurt a little bit, but I think it's going to be good in the end. We've seen it this week where people just deny this. Some people try to redefine sin. Some people deny it. Some people redefine sin. Oh, well, listen, that's not really sin. I mean, like, uh, I'm a special case or whatever. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not. Uh, Some people try to uh, pass blame onto others. They're lying about me. They set me up. They're whatever. Uh, The woman that you gave me started in Genesis chapter three, right? It's always been around. When, When we remember the benefit of forgiveness, part of what we're remembering is not only what it is that we were forgiven of, but that we have to own it. It's my sin. It's my fault. And I own it. Here's the question. If I'm guilty before God, why in the world would I run to him instead of from him? I mean, we're talking about the great I am, the creator of all things and the one who sits enthroned on the universe, uh, on the, uh, on, who, who sits enthroned um, over the universe right now as king of the universe. Why would I run to him instead of from him if I'm dealing with sin? Here's, I'm glad you asked. Here's the answer, I think. Uh, look down in verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Unlike you and me, this is parentheses, slow to anger, 
abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Why would you run to him instead of from him? And the answer is because the Lord is merciful and gracious and he's slow to anger and he abounds in steadfast love. That's why you do that. You and your sin are never going to find a better deal than that right there. You're never going to find someone who will respond to you the way that the Lord does. So anytime you're running from him and to someone else, guess what? You're not going to find as good of a deal. Run to him, not from him. Own your stuff. Do it. It's your fault. You own it. It's my fault. I'm going to own it. But if I'm guilty, I want to run to him. Why? Because it says he forgives all your iniquity. That's what it says in verse 3. He forgives all your iniquity. That, that is both a legal declaration and a personal experience. So let's describe this legal declaration first. There comes a point where both in, 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 if you will, the law and accounting where God says, hey, listen, I know that you're guilty before me. I'm declaring you not guilty. I know you owe a debt and I'm declaring that debt paid in full. That's the legal declaration of that. You see that down here in verse 10. Look at it with me. Psalm 103 verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins. In other words, our sins deserved a punishment and a judgment. And what did God do instead? He did not deal with us according to that. Legal declaration. Verse, keep going. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. Same thing, restated, but it's a counting term. He's not going to um, owe, he's not going to call in the debt, if you will. Why? Because he's paid the debt already. That's the legal declaration part. And church family, listen, we never, 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 never need to get away from that. That is the foundation of our faith. It is the, it is the most important thing that we could communicate to our church family and to anybody outside is that God is in the business of forgiving sins because he has legally made a way for you and me to be made right before him, a legal declaration that you and I are, are um, not guilty before God and the debt has been paid. And he has done that through Jesus. That is so crucial. I think one of the important things that you and I have to then, after we make that statement, wrestle with is this kind of personal experience of it. Because it is both. I mean, you could sit there and struggle and say, I know God that you, I sin God and I know that you've forgiven me and I know it's because Jesus died on the cross. I don't feel forgiven. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So I'm going to put us on an airplane. Here we go. You ready? We're flying to California, you and me, Southern California. We're going to land. We're going out to the beach. It's about 4 p.m. Sun's creeping down. Everybody standing on the beach with me? You standing on the beach with me? You looking out at the Pacific? Hearing the, hearing the uh, waves kind of roll in. Sun's starting to creep down. You see the horizon out there? Can you see it in your mind? Horizon's out there. Sun gets a little lower, gets lower. Just starts kissing the horizon. I mean, just on it right there. Can you see it? According to Psalm 103, God's thrown your sin farther than you can see right there. Into a deeper place than you could have ever imagined. 
That's as far as the east is from the west. Not just, it is good to have a legal declaration. It's also good to have this kind of personal experience that says, God, I know that you have forgiven me. I know. And we need to not forget that benefit. Let's move ahead here. Not only forgiveness, but also wholeness. Wholeness is is part of the project that God is at work in. Um, Why is wholeness a benefit that we don't need to forget? Because challenges have a way of making us forget when things are coming at us and things are happening to us and uh, happening around us. Those have a way of distracting us from a sense of what God is doing. And so wholeness, we need to remember that. So he says, Verse three, who forgives all your iniquity, amen and amen. Let's not forget that. And then who heals all your diseases. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit, wholeness. Let's talk about healing first. He he says, verse three, who heals all your diseases. Are you grateful that we serve a God who can deal with physical challenges that you and I face? Okay, I'm gonna start talking back here. I don't know who else. Who am I going to? Fran. Fran, are you grateful that we serve a God who can deal with physical challenges? Amen to that. All the rest of you pagans, I don't know what you came for today. Fran and I are just going to have this out for the rest of the time here. We're grateful to serve a God who, could, who deals with our stuff, right? I mean, he doesn't just say, oh, just hold on to heaven, son. Just hold on to heaven, daughter. No, no. He intervenes. And sometimes, gratefully, by the grace of God, the common grace of Advil is enough. And sometimes it's a miracle. And we've seen both, hadn't we? And some people say, hey, listen, I appreciate that he worked this in David's life. I mean, this is David's testimony right here. It says at the top, this is a Psalm of David. And I see that he's saying, God, you healed me. I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, I'm sitting here looking at the cancer ward, though. He hadn't healed me yet. You're right. Here's what I say. I just want to stir it up to remind you, number one, that he can. He can. There's nothing that you and I face physically that Jesus can't deal with. Number two, ultimately, he will. Because when you and I step out of this life and into the next one, guess what? Cancer is not a diagnosis in heaven. Knees and backs, they work in heaven. Migraines don't exist in heaven. ALS and lupus and all these other things that you and I have to deal with today, they don't exist in heaven. Ultimately, he can. Today, he can. And ultimately, he will. He heals all your diseases. And thank you, God, let's not forget these benefits when heaven comes crashing into our little world and we get a little taste of it now. But Jesus is in the business of bringing wholeness to our lives. And then he says in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit. This redemption over these situational challenges, these things that are on us and at us, Around us, these places where we find ourselves in. Anybody have a low spot in their life right now? Some sphere of their life they would say is a low spot? That's what David's saying is the pit. He redeems your life from that. He redeems your life from that low place. 
No matter what your challenge is, no matter what the situation is that you're facing, he redeems your life from that. The question would be something like, what pit are you in right now? Are you, are you in an emotional pit where things just in your world are out of whack and the things that are surrounding you and swirling around you keep them out of whack? Based upon a hurricane, are you in a financial pit? Or... Honestly, a residential pit? Some of you, your pit happens from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. It's a vocational pit. We can get maybe even a little bit more personal. Some of you look at the person maybe even sitting next to you or the person you're going home to and you're thinking about a marital pit. Or you're thinking about that other person Uh, in your world and you're thinking about the parental pit. And Jesus is in the business of redeeming lives from the pit, the situational challenges that we have. Situational challenges that we have. He wants to bring wholeness to. Now, again, just like with healing, can we be honest here? It's awesome when he goes, yep, just like that. Awesome. Most of the time, it's a process. And we look back and we're able to say, hey, God, you redeemed my life from the pit. Took longer than I wanted, but man, you did it. Wholeness. Some of us, when we're in the pit, we make some important questions happen. Things like, where is God? What's he thinking right now? Why am I here? Can we just skip down to verse 13 in the text, please? Psalm 103, verse 13. I'm just telling you this because his presence with you and his attitude toward you in the pit does not change. As Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Why? Because he knows our frame. He remembers that we're but dust. We're just frail. He knows we're in the pit. God, do you know I'm here? Yes, I know you're here. I'm looking down and I'm seeing you and I'm just telling you. I know that you're frail. I know that you're weak. I know that you're struggling. But I'm a father who has compassion upon his kids. And his attitude towards you in the pit does not change just because you find yourself in the pit. Um, One of my absolute favorite songs right now that doesn't get any play on Christian radio, which is a whole different discussion. Uh, There's a line in the song. He's talking about holes. I've got so many holes in me. In fact, I just got one last week. And I'm saying, Lord, Lord, why so many holes in me? And then he said, I looked at the hands that were holding me. And then I heard him say, hey, I know you. Son, I got holes too. That's solid right there. That's good. Third thing, forget none of his benefits. Not forgiveness, not wholeness, and not significance. Uh, Look, if you will, in the middle of verse four. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. 
who satisfies you, verse five, with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Just quickly here, this significance. We don't forget significance because the loss of identity that, that is wrapped up in that has a way of making us forget. So we're holding on to what God has said about us. And what has he said? Look at verse four, uh, four again. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. If you're familiar with any of the biblical stories, uh, particularly in the latter half of the New Testament, one of them is this beautiful picture of Jesus the king and all of the elders taking off their crowns and throwing them in Revelation 4, throwing them at the feet of Jesus. I'm here, we have God sticking a crown on our head. It's amazing, isn't it? And he, he honors us. He honors us. And what does he honor us with? Not a title. You're not bowing before some monarch and they're saying, arise, sir, so-and-so. He's not knighting you. He's honoring you. And what is he honoring you with? He's honoring you with himself. He's giving of himself to you. That's why it says, um, who crowns you, not with gifts or titles or status, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. That's, that's, that's what he's giving you. That's what he's honoring you with, his steadfast love and mercy, not because of what you do, but what he has done, what he has done. So here's a, here's a good test as to whether or not you and I get this, because we like the kind of honor that comes with tangible benefits. This is a little bit more intangible than that. Here's a, here's a question. Here's a good test. It's actually in verse seven. Um, he made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the people of Israel. So here's the question. Would you rather know God's acts or would you rather know his ways? Because the acts of God, they can be seen by observation and they can be seen from afar. I mean, the Red Sea splits, you know that the Red Sea splits, right? I mean, you can see that from a long way away. But he made known his ways to Moses. The inner workings the things that he was thinking about, the ways that he was interacting. He made known his ways to Moses. Exodus says that the Lord used to speak with Moses face to face, just like a man speaks with his friend. He made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the people of Israel. Here's a question. Which would you rather have? To see God move in power? Listen, we're all down with that. Or to know him intimately. One is observation. The other is intimacy. Great thing about Moses, he got to see the acts of God too. Man, he was intimate with who God was. That's a good way to know whether or not you're locked on to this kind of honor. He gives of himself to you. Lastly, verse five, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Don't forget significance because he's honored you and he's providing satisfaction to you. And he describes this so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You've got this kind of energized condition of the soul. Where does that come from? That comes from knowing who we are and that comes from knowing who God is. that's That's where that comes from. And knowing both of those actually gives us a sense of purpose and significance. So Um, Let's skip down to verse 15, and we're going to wrap up. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field, and then the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. Let's just pause here. That doesn't sound like significance right there. (laughs) That sounds like insignificance. God says that, that is who we are, but 
17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The reason why we have this kind of energized condition of soul, this kind of satisfaction from the significance that God has spoken over our lives is not because we're so awesome, but because God has invited us into his story and we get to be a part. Me, little bitty grass that's here today, gone tomorrow, blown away in the place, remember, it no more. Me, I get to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. And if that doesn't energize you folks, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. If that doesn't get your motor running to say, hey, listen, little bitty me gets, a part, gets to be a part of something amazing and eternal. And I get invited into that by God, not because I deserved it, but because he just wanted me to be a part of it. That's energizing. So let me ask you this. Forget not his benefits. I mean, of the three, forgiveness, wholeness, significance. Which one are you most likely to forget? Out of those three, which, which, which one are you most likely to forget? Church, there's a world out there that needs not just sheetrock, but needs forgiveness, and wholeness, and significance. And when we remember and forget not his benefits and then let those things overflow in gratitude this week, certainly, I think they take notice. Let's pray. And then I want you to just think for a second about those three. Forgiveness, wholeness, significance. Which one's hardest for you to remember and to keep before you? And now, Lord, here we are on the cusp of a week where we get to celebrate and be grateful, practice this gratitude talked about. Let this gratitude complete the joy that we feel. But God, we don't want to do it uh, disconnected from what you've already done. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness that is ours because of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the wholeness that you're bringing to our lives. And that one day we will experience in full, even if we have to taste it in part right now. One day we'll experience it in full. Even though right now it's a looking through a glass, like Paul says, looking through a glass, it's kind of dim, smeared. One day we'll see it. <laughs> Wholeness. Thank you, God, for that. And thank you, Father, for significance. Giving us a place, honoring us with yourself and then giving us a place in your story. May we be grateful for that and may our gratitude overflow to a watching world that is in desperate need of all of that. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. One more song. If you have any prayer requests, please come to the back. I'd love to uh, pray with you. If you want to know more what it means to understand the forgiveness of Jesus, I would love to pray with you back there. Make your way back there. One more song. Let's stand and sing.